Good day, friends, and welcome to episode four of the Men Unite podcast. Now, today's episode is sponsored by DRB Designs. Dan recently created some amazing artwork for the podcast. So if you follow our Facebook or Twitter page, we recently added them a few weeks ago, and they look awesome. Also, we are sponsored by Sitcom Soldiers. Now, Ben created our intro music for us, the Men Unite podcast. They're a media company from Bolton, so they do work for BBC, the NHS, and much, much more. They create short films. So, my, my, why don't you go over to their page, check them out, and check their work. I'll be adding both DRB Designs and Sitcom Soldiers to our social media. So please go over, like and share what them guys are doing. Now today's episode, we do talk about child abuse and how childhood trauma does affect people going into their adult life. The lady we've got on today is a beautiful human being. She's done magnificent work for the local community and nationwide. She has over 30 years experience in adult and children's social care. She's a child and adult counsellor. I give you Karina Turner. Men Unite podcast with Vincent Monty. Okay, I'm uh, Karina Turner and the company's Turning Corners. I say company, just a sole trader. Um, I've been working really uh, with children, young people and families for over 36 years now. Um, started off in local authority in family support services, left about six years ago. And now what I do is all before covid obviously all yeah. over the country delivering training to social workers foster carers adopters parents on really lots of different subjects but yeah because i've i've actually got all your subjects up right really? here wow and the list is massive <laughs> there's a lot more is that off the website that's off your website right i obviously deliver a lot more than that too there's no just way. a few yeah yeah i've got hundreds and I think that's because I've been in it so long. I'm not, you know, I don't know everything. I'm an expert in nothing, really. I'm just passionate about what I do. Yeah. But because I've been in it for such a long time, working with families, so that's adults and children and the wider family, I think there's just a lot of subjects that I've come across, you know, and had to deal with. Because you do when you're, you know, trying to support families through some very difficult times. Yeah. And that's what I'm still doing now. So lots of different lots subjects. Lots of different stuff. It's Quite a big list, Monty. Big list, big list. <laughs> Very big. Go on, name a few, Dan. Uh, and I'll, uh... One that stands out for me, because it's affected my life, is the dementia awareness. Okay. Because my granddad died of dementia, vascular dementia, and my nan died of dementia. But I actually didn't know a lot about dementia until I started reading up about it a few weeks ago. And I didn't realise there was, I think there's 200 different types, you said. Mm. 200 wow. different types and there's 850,000 people in the UK that suffer with it. But there's uh, the main types that affect 
people are Alzheimer's and vascular dementia yeah. and then there's some others that I couldn't pronounce <laughs> some no doctor <laughs> yeah but that one for me because that it because when I started reading about it because my granddad started suffering when I was only young I think I was about I'm going to say I was about seven because I used to go there all the time. Like I kept my mum was at work and I was off school. Especially in the six weeks, I'd go. And we'd just go out for massive walks. So like it was a massive part of my life. And I started noticing different changes like over the years that he, he had it. Uh, and then when he went in hospital, I didn't see him. And then that was it. Like He died. Wow. Yeah, because he was poof, that quick. And then my nan, she was also the same. I'd go up to her house. I'd help her with the shopping and whatnot and do a bit of cleaning around her house. I saw I saw exactly the same changes as I saw when I was a kid, but with my granddad. Oh, wow. Uh, and it all started stemming from one night where I had to actually break in my nan's house because they had a call off her neighbours saying... We're worried about your nan. We can hear shouting. I was like, oh no. Like, get straight up there. So, got straight up there. So, I had to break in my nan's house. And she was just standing there in this uh, pink coat. But she, oh, what was the the army coat? The the old red red coat for the army? No like, idea. They used to wear in the army, like, the, the red coat. No idea. Bro. Well, she was saying it was a... She needed me granddad's army coat. She's got it on. And that that's when I was like, boof, something's going on here. So she had it on? And yeah, she's she asking had, where it was. Yeah, she had it on. So I've got your granddad's got got your granddad's coat on. Got it got it here for him, I found it. So oh. I was like, wow. I think that's one of the things is the reasons that obviously I predominantly do children's, yeah. but I do adults too, yeah. is because dementia is one of the things, and you've said it, not a lot of people know much about no, it. Don't. We tend to yeah. just think, don't we? We hear dementia mm -hmm. and then everybody thinks it's all the same and you everybody thinks it's old people. Yeah. Well, of course it isn't. No. It isn't just older people. You, you know, there's different it. types. See, I, the I, youngest I saw was, I think it was like 35, that someone could start getting dementia. Is it? See, yeah. I thought it was just old people. Yeah, most older people, people do. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I when you start reading into it, it's not... I'm glad I came today. I've learned something new today. And I think it's important too, because we, we tend to have, as adults, we'll have training around mm, you know, yeah. dementia and we find out more information. But it's really important, and again, back to what you've been saying, that we also educate children yeah. around dementia, because it is those children that will be with grandparents, yeah. you know what I mean? Definitely. And I think that's the bit leads to then maybe children, young people having you know, poor mental health or because any trauma in anybody's life could create that you know the poor mental health and it could just be one-off event so i think it's important because a lot of children won't realize that their grandparents may be you know struggling and suffering from dementia they just see the they behavior see the changes, you saw the yeah, changes yeah. in the behavior and don't understand what's going yeah. on so it's really important that you know children also have that awareness and the education around it so i think back then it was not spoken about as much as it is today. When I went my nan's and my granddad was just sitting there, I was like, we're going for a walk, we're going for a walk now. 
And he was just like, no. I was like, whoa, that's not like you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? going on and I think that's the thing because we will it's the behaviors isn't yeah, it, that yeah. we see mm-hmm. and a lot of the times you know people will if somebody says like that you you know your now was on about her husband and yeah, saying yeah. I've got it for him because yeah. they don't always you know think in this you know the now the the present they'll think in the past and what we tend to do naturally is say oh don't be silly you know my granddad's died my granddad isn't here my husband isn't here and that's the one of the worst things you can do because they don't know they really believe what they are thinking so what we then will do we then have that yeah Yeah. but we also have that's where you will get the aggressive behavior sometimes coming out because you're saying something that they don't actually believe but you will try and say to them oh no or you'll say you know i told you that yesterday why do you keep repeating it but it's really important to go along with it otherwise you can create you know even more anxiety and stress so when i when i went in and broken and saw that she was there and she obviously mentioned the army coat and so in my head I was like whoa but then I was like oh let's take it off we'll hang it up and we'll give it in when he gets home that's the right thing and, to do and she was like yeah <laughs> yeah we, yeah God bless her <laughs> and then she was like do you want a cup of tea like boom do you want a cup of tea now because she just switched yeah yeah from one thing to the other I was so, like yeah. nan you don't you know I don't drink hot drinks that's 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 in well to me it's interesting because obviously I didn't know much about dementia Mm. Like I said, I, all I knew was, and I thought it was just older, oh, people, older people yeah, that would get it. Most people do. But to to see and to hear what you're doing, preparing these young kids, when they experience such a thing, they'll be able to sort of like understand it or maybe even ask for help if they can't yeah. help their grandparents, which is amazing. And going back to what you do, what sort of led you? to that path is that something you always wanted to do growing up or did you experience something did you see something that sort of like triggered in your mind and thought you know what I want to do that because I've experienced this or I've seen someone going through that so what was it I absolutely know the moment obviously a long time ago and it's a a little girl that I actually use when I deliver safeguarding children on people's training because there was a little girl called Maria Caldwell and in 1974, she was actually killed by a stepfather. Wow. And what happened is, you can imagine, that's a long time ago. And we didn't have social media or, no, you know, anything. No. But her picture was on the ki- the kitchen, you know, of, of wall of, of a friend of mine. And I'll never forget, I'm telling you how old I am now. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to do dinner for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I was going to say, when you said that, yeah, I think born in 1991 I was 11 at the time and to me as an 11 year old there was a picture and she was black and blue she'd been beaten by him but you know he'd murdered her and I remember looking at this photograph and asking my friend's mom who who it was and you know what had happened to her and she said she'd been killed by, uh, she said a dad, but, you know, it was a stepdad. And I remember looking at that photograph and thinking, if I can ever change anything like that, if I can stop that happening, yeah. if I can support families, that's as an 11-year-old. I thought, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And here I am, you know, at my age, not telling you how old, you'll have to work that out now. <laughs> and I remember thinking, and all them years later, that is the path I chose to try and, you know, 
protect children and support families through you know really difficult times and so I could yeah pinpoint that moment that set me on my path. As an 11 year old to have sort of that mindset and mentality Mm. to then follow through and now you're here like obviously all the courses that you've got on your website is incredible. And I, obviously that's the, what I do in the day. I del- you know, travel all over the country. But then four evenings a week, I say four, it's, I try not to do five, but it usually is five. I'm a counsellor and a, a therapist and try help, you know, individual children and some adults to go through, you know, help them through some difficult times. So I also, do, you know, that yeah. as well as the, um, uh, the counselling and therapy. You've mentioned to help adults and kids to go through some difficult times. Would you mind sharing what sort of difficult times you're talking about? Yeah, I think the the families that I work with, because I, I don't tend to, although I may see a child or an adult on their own, I'm very much, it's about the family. Because, you know, they can't just go away from me, you know, when I'm doing some counselling or therapy, and whatever they presented with then in their families, will either make or break the, the the work I'm trying to do. So I very much work with the family, not just, you know, the child or adult. The, it ranges from lots of different things. You know, some of my children will have, you know, the struggles with school and, you know, they may be bullying or they're not achieving and that will create, you know, anxiety because that's predominantly what, you know, my children come to me with is the anxiety. Adults, you know, pretty much the same. They may have gone through some, you know, as a child, maybe abusive situations or they have had a, a, a trauma in their life that's meant that they will struggle with relationships or they'll struggle holding down a job. There are lots of different things and they'll come to me and I do a mix really of counselling which whereas that's usually trying to get you know cognitive behavioural therapy or dialectical behavioural therapy which more for self-harm or suicidal thoughts because I'm trained in, in both of those. But it's about trying to get them to look at what the difficulties is and then trying to help them to find the solutions to that. Then me therapy side, because I've just uh, qualified as a, an advanced trauma th- family therapist, and what that's about is looking very much into detail around the therapy. So somebody may have been now be say a thirty-five year old adult who's been through a lot of trauma as they were a young child, and then I have to take them back sometimes to look at well, this is what happened. How do you deal with that? And looking at that sort of dealing with that trauma as a child, sometimes trying to work out the answers of, of why that happened, because that's a lot of the times why people do, you know, need to see why this happened. And, of course, a lot of children will blame themselves. Yeah. So it's now looking as an adult, was I actually to blame? And, of course, 99.9% yeah. of the ch- time, the child isn't to blame. But, you know, I also try to get them to look at if parents may have abused them or gone through difficult times or neglected them. Try to look at that, you know, we can't judge anybody, can we? Because we can't hold that. Because that sometimes creates bitterness and anger. So I try to get them to also look at why their parents, if it was the parents, maybe why that happened. Because everybody does things, you know, for reasons. Nobody usually harms their child 
deliberately of course that does happen but it's usually difficult times they're going through as the adults so we look at you know a whole mix and range of of what people and children are going through wow we wow and this is just the beginning (laughs) (laughs) wow also you mentioned trauma yeah define the word trauma i mean it's people use it a lot i mean especially on the men united page it's like for someone with a who's autistic, for, let's say someone's autistic, a trauma to them would be uh, a pop tyre on his bike. Is, is, that, is that right in saying that a trauma could be anything that actually affects you mentally? That's a really, really good point, Dan, because we, we are using the word trauma more, yeah. and that's to reflect the fact that trauma is very, very different from everybody. Mm-hmm. And what we used to think was, particularly if you look at the complex trauma, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, the, yeah. is the acronym, people used to think that you, to experience trauma, you had to be like somebody whose life had put on the line, you know, a soldier, which is true, yeah. but also recognise that when we really have to, you know, take the, um, the most of this and understand this, because somebody adult, child, anybody can experience one thing in their life, just one thing, that I could say a story and and I say it traumatised me, you could think, oh, is that it? I've been through a lot worse than that. But it depends on that person. And everybody reacts very differently, don't they, to, to situations. So one thing that happened in your life that massively impacted on you, maybe you didn't understand it or you were frightened or you thought you were going to lose your social network, can actually create trauma because that's how the brain works. Yeah. And that's the bit that we have to look at because, you know, otherwise we can minimise and we can make somebody's stress and anxiety a lot worse. It's interesting that you've said what you've just said because... Me and Dan has sat down and spoke about how a lot of people will stop themselves from speaking because they believe what they've got to say is stupid. In fairness, when we believe that no matter how small it may seem or look or feel, if it's bothering your mental state and it gives you anxiety, you have to speak and just, you have to be more worried about your own mental state and don't let the thought of what they're going to say or what, how they're going to treat me stop you from saying what is bothering you. Because mm-hmm. in all fairness, a lot of the times you don't know what anyone's going to say about what, what, you're, what you're saying because you're stopping yourself from saying it. Yeah. And I think you've got to have the courage to just speak. And I think that this is the reason why we, me and Dan have set up this podcast and Going yeah, through yeah. it to give the to let people understand that no matter what you're going through, if it's affecting your mental state, whether it's <coughs> a pop tire, whether it's whatever it may be, you have to say it because it, it will help in the long run. I believe. Or what it's, do you think? It's really important. I think you know. There's always been this stigma um, about you know, mental health. Because if you look at mental health, mental health is actually a positive term because it's about being able to cope with, you know, that sort of transitions and change and difficult times in your life. It's when it turns poor, which, you know, one in four of us will, as an adult, will have some kind of poor mental health in a 12-month period. So that tells you something in itself. If you look at children, one in ten 
will have some kind of difficulty and poor mental health. Three children in most classrooms will have a diagnosed poor mental health. And I think it's really important that we understand the difference between the terms mental health and when it turns poor. Because yeah. that's when we get the stigma attached yeah. to it. Because if we said, you know, ask somebody you know, off the street, what's mental health? They would give all those negative terms. Yeah, definitely. Because there's the yeah. stigma. Yeah, because I think I mentioned it before when I went on a course with Mind. Um, the lady that was taking the course uh, asked everyone in the room to write down three things uh, that they associate with mental health. And everyone in the room was negative, including myself. And then she was like, well, what, why is all, all negative words? Because you could have good mental health. Absolutely. Like you could wake up that day and feeling good, so your mental health is good. So she was healthy. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important, like say as adults, because we have a huge responsibility for our children, don't we? Yeah. You know, we are educating them with the role models to them. So it's important that we get the terminology right too. Because if you just look at CAMS, which is Children and Adolescent Mental Health Service, so many children won't engage with them. No. And if we think about it, and you know, children have said spoken to me about it, because the term in there is mental health. Children say to me, I'm not mad, you know. I'm yeah. not going to them, you know. No. <laughs> no. I said to some, I had a conversation with someone the other day and we were literally talking about the word mental before health. Mm-hmm. And I said a lot of the time, depends on I'm speaking to, I tend to use emotional health because when you say mental, all of a sudden you're going to think they're crazy, yeah. I'm crazy. And, and I think just the word mental itself in front of health, it stops a lot of individuals speaking because they're going to be judged and looked as if they're, they're crazy. Absolutely. So, you know, we have to think about that, don't we? And it's, you know, it's really important. And I think that's where the stigma comes. And that's why a lot of people and children wouldn't talk about difficult times because they didn't want people to think that, you know, they were weak or, you know, they were mad, things yeah. like that. And I think that's where we've come a long way. I think we've got a long way to go. But I think that bit of, you know, it's a, it's okay not to be okay yeah. is the big word. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's important. You know, the job you're doing is important. Is that getting the message out there that it's okay to talk about it? It's okay to yeah, say, yeah. I'm not okay. And I think that's the bit. And as again, there's no different for our children, young people. Because when we look at, you know, if I, when I'm doing training on uh, children, young people's mental health, we look at all the adult mental health conditions and what they are. You know, the uh, clinical depression, yeah. the bipolar, schizophrenia, yeah. you know, those things. And when we then do about children, a lot of people are shocked at the fact that children can have childhood schizophrenia. They can have clinical depression. Yeah, yeah. They can be bipolar. And I think that's the bit that we have to look at, you know, as, as adults, really, that we are recognising that our children can be you know, anxious, can be depressed too. And it's the message we give them. Because again, you know, we're talking about adults saying that they're not okay. But we also have to give our children permission to say, I'm not okay today. Because we tend to, with children, don't we all go, oh, you're fine, you're all right, carry on, you're okay. But at the end of the day, they might not be having a bad day and they need to be able to say that. So basically, teaching them how to musk pain from a young age near enough in a way because if you're sort of like dismissive with them they will grow up to then 
what's the point of me saying I'm not okay because they're going to just brush under the carpet? Absolutely. It's so, so important. It's important. It's important that, you know, we are... We have to help children to, to recognise those emotions, though. Because if you think about it, you know, a lot of children who come to see me, they don't recognise that that is the emotion of anxiety because the body will always tell us how we are feeling. Yeah. You know, and they don't always recognise that. Once you, your body tells you and you recognise it, that's part of the, the path that I help, you know, our children. But it's, a, it's that bit that it's enabling them to be able to say, I'm angry today. I feel angry today. Because yeah. <laughs> usually when children, yeah. if you think about it, when children get angry, what do we do? We stop them. Yeah. We say, don't be naughty. You know what I mean? Don't be angry. But it's one of those things right from very early on. We, we have to allow them to express that and talk about it. Because yeah. otherwise, it's so many times, particularly in boys, you know, suppressed. Yeah, boys Till they then get, you know, teenagers and older when they're really struggling mm. with it. Because they can't just say, you know, you know what, Dan, I'm angry today. Yeah. <laughs> those type of things. So it's really important children that we do so i i notice like with, with my kids when they're getting a bit mad or angry or like the emotions are changing because they'll be outside and then be playing all nice they'll just go they're quiet and they'll be like oh, what's happening <laughs> so <laughs> i'll go outside quiet. and like, the faces will be changed and something's gone on and it's like what's happening what's <laughs> happening it's like nothing nothing it's like, let's go inside, let's have a chat about what's going on after you. Yeah. And half the time they'll come in, sit on the settee and just sulk. And I was like, well, if that's what you've got to do, forget out your mood, sit there and have a think about it then. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you can't force people, like especially kids, you can't force them into... Speaking. Yeah. Because it just, it just pisses them off even more. Yeah, I think I'm the same with my, with my kids. So, in that aspect, how do you reckon... You can deal with kids like that. Like, what can you do? I think one of the things that we're talking about is one. It's right from you know the the start of a baby, right? Or because you know I won't go into the attachment theory, but because we haven't got all night. <laughs> but it's <laughs> we have. <laughs> <laughs> it starts from that really about that you know teaching a child about emotions and feelings, and then it grows into how to deal with that. Because, uh, like I say, a lot of the time, as adults, we don't do that. We don't talk to children about, oh, you, you know, it's about labelling the emotion, it's called. And it's about saying, oh, I can see you're angry today. Yeah. Or I can see you're feeling sad today. Or I can I see that you're a little bit scared today. You know, whatever the, that language of that child. And it's really important that we do that. We label the emotion. Because that's the start of enabling children to understand Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. The the, yeah, and or I just feel I want to cuddle. You know those type of things, and that's the bit to enable children to deal with some difficult times that they're going through is about labelling it as us adults, and it is that about yeah. let's talk about it. And half the time they won't. No, and if they don't, they don't well, do. They've got they? the option to. Absolutely, and that's about respecting the fact that you know some days they might just sit, want to sit there quiet. Mm. But it's really important that we don't again. If a child is quiet or a young person is quiet, that we don't say, "Oh, whatever's up with you." You know what yeah. I mean? Why are you in a mood? And I think we have to be really careful because it's about enabling them if they want to just sit and. Yeah. Be quiet and not, not want to talk. I think that's why I'm like sometimes, you know. When 
something's bothering me, I tend to like stay quiet for a bit. Mm. But I think it's because I learn how to deal with my own sort of demons. That I have to stay quiet and reflect on actually trying to pinpoint what got me to feel like that. Mm. And when I feel like I've got it, and then I will then speak to others around me, to be fair, this is why I'm angry or this is why I'm feeling what I'm feeling because I did this a couple of days ago and it's now caught up with me. Yeah. Yeah, so everyone's different, isn't it? Yeah. But I think, I'm so glad you've said that because one of the things that's really important when we talk about children is it's okay for you to feel like that and need sometimes where you'll just feel a little bit sad or you're trying to, you know, work out your emotions and reflect on what's happening. But as adults, one thing we do tend to do is we don't then say to our children or children, I'm just feeling a little bit sad today. It's okay, but I'm just going to maybe quiet. Yeah. That's the bit that usually ends up where children struggle because they'll look to you, say, as the dad, they'll look to you and think, oh, he's, he's sad or he's quiet. Why is he quiet? Why is he sad? Am I naughty? Have I done something yeah. wrong? Children are really good at blaming themselves. And we have to be very careful because it's okay to feel like you do some days, but it's really equally important to say to children, I'm just feeling a little bit sad. Daddy may be quiet or mum may be quiet, but it's okay. We'll talk about it a bit later. That's the bit where yeah. we don't. Yeah. We keep it to ourselves <clears throat> and children will then, like make I say, make up things because you know what they like. Yeah. You know what I mean? They will make all sorts and particularly depending on their stage of development, they absolutely will. I think in, in, in terms of that, for myself, I normally say it to my message, so I, mm. I never try and do it in front of my kid. So I'll walk past my message and I'll say, I'm going upstairs now. I'm not feeling up to it. I'll be upstairs if you need me. But I need a few moments to myself mm. to just have a little think of why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. And then I will say, you know what? I'm okay now because I was able to either write it down, see it for myself, or I was able to pinpoint why, whether I'm doing too much, that's stressing me out, I'm doing too much thinking, and this is what I'll keep thinking about. But I'm okay now, and let's crack on with the day. Yeah. But I never sort of let my little boy see me like that. Yeah, yeah. I normally walk past my mission and say, I need to go upstairs for a bit, and just, they just leave me alone for a bit, I need to do some thinking. I think it's a balance, isn't it? Because as long as, you know, your wife is also explaining to the children, or yeah. daddy's just gone off, it's sometimes when they don't. So you'll communicate as adults together, and you'll know each other and what you needed to do. Yeah. It's that bit when the children are usually... I'm not saying this happens no, in your no, house, no, no, no. but just to use but an example. But as well, yeah. so there'll be a lot of people listening to this that might experience things like this. So. Yeah. And Hopefully they can pick something from it. Absolutely. I hope so, because, you know, that's what this is about. But it is always, we don't always think the child, we don't always as adults think, oh, you know, my child's in the background and, you know, they may be playing and we'll sometimes think, oh, well, they can't hear us, yeah. you know, if we're discussing things. But they can, children do. So I think it's just that important bit. But if you think about from your perspective, you know, how much your children can learn from you. I'm not saying, you know, we have to cry all the time with the children or, no. you know, do all that. But it is about that role model and being able to say, look, if you feel a little bit sad today or angry, this is how you'd, we deal with it. 
And yeah. they're learning so much from they you. They do, certainly. They do, yeah. though, don't they? One thing, boy. sorry, one thing I really won't go back to is when, Ooh. you know, when you ask me about how we deal with, how can we help children with yeah. this? One thing is really, really important. It, what we tend to do is if, a, if our children or the children that we work with, young people are, say, 10, for yeah. instance, 10 years old. So chronologically, that is their age group. But what we, it's really important is when you're trying to help children or you're working with children, is about making sure that we look at emotional age. Because that's yeah, how yeah. we really yeah, should, I you know, agree. try to support and help them. Because you can have a ten-year-old, can't you? Or that sometimes what, the things that they do could be like when they're fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. You think, oh, you know, they're a lot older. But it's how emotionally age you are. So how do they deal with, you know, sort of difficult things? You know, are they very extra sensitive? And whatever age, because they could then emotionally maybe only be seven or eight, and that's how. You talk to them or deal with it, help them to deal with difficult things. Their emotional age, not the chronological age. So, uh, so how can you kind of help kids that have got like issues with the <clears throat> emotional ages? So, obviously, if a kid comes to you who's like ten, eleven, who's got the emotional age of a six-year-old, can that be fixed in some sense? It's not necessarily fixed, oh but it's what it's about is it depends on what's creating that emotional yeah, age. Yeah. If it's obviously a disability, so you know you did talk about autism, yeah, you yeah. Know, if it's a disability or medical condition, that might be even harder to change because you know it is. But if it's the the reason they are acting younger is because of some kind of trauma in their life. It's really important that that's worked through and addressed. But what I would do is very, very quickly is, is try to assess and, and uh, judge how emotionally aged they are. Yeah. And everything I do then, so say, yes, they were more of a six-year-old, five, six-year-old. So the work I would tend to ease on like and, and do is art and crafts and things that what yeah. maybe a six-year-old would want to do. And that's the bit how I would work through those difficult times with them, looking at maybe what a six-year-old emotionally would want. So that is about that, you know, yeah. that time where you, you're sitting with them and you're drawing or you're painting, things like that. So that's the bit emotionally how you look at And then you gradually maybe build it up. Yeah, so um, obviously with, with the emotional age, obviously it's affected some affected through traumas as such. Because I've worked with kids in care in the past um, and this it, it's an eye-opener because originally I worked with like Down syndromes and like people with epilepsy like within the community but when I started working at a kid's home it like completely like blew my mind of to what kids go through in the in the background because I've, I've turned up to me to work my job and a kid is telling me about how his parents sexually abused him. Wow. And it's like, wow. Like, how should I have prepared mentally? Oh, is that a, Jeez. Is that a bit of a divot there? Right. Just <laughs> like, prepare wow. yourself mentally for a child. To, instead of just saying, Hi, how are you doing? It's, yeah, my dad, my, my dad um, sexually abused me. I said comfortably. Mm, just yeah, like that. Like just like that. Like, no filter, just like that. Like, how would you even prepare yourself mentally for that? I mean, obviously at the time I was at work and I took it professionally, but when I got home, I just sat in silence and I was like, you know. Just thinking about just, what he 
Yeah. What he said to you. It took me ages to like not get rid of help me brain, but kind of soften it up a bit. And like at the area of my weights like they were like really good, like they out the staff out like in the therapy room. So if if anything like that happened, you'd go and you'd talk talk to the therapist. But I never did at the time. I never did. Because I was like, no, can't do that. Can't be showing weakness. At the time, no. At the t- if it feels now, would you? But now, if it, yeah, now I'll be straight in there. Yeah. I think that's where, you know, particularly if you're, you're in that field, yeah. is the, the training and the support and yeah. new supervisions, one-to-ones. They are crucial, aren't they? Big time. Because people used to say to me, you know, I spent, you know, 30 years in, in that in that field, and still am now, I guess, but was people used to say to me, oh, you know, I bet you, you're hardened to it, aren't you? And I used to say, absolutely no. not. No you know, if you're hardened to it, yeah, you have to get out, yeah. you know, because you're desensitised yeah. to it. It's about managing those emotions around it. And I think that's the bit that we, we look at in, in training, don't we, of yeah. staff? And it's it's crucial to you know to almost expect this type mm-hmm. of behaviour because that's like normalising what you described. You know, yeah. he was saying to you, but it's not normal, is it? He did. He did. <laughs> he did say it as yeah. if, if it was just it a was norm. Just, mm. Yeah, and yeah. so calm with it. Mm. See, with what you just said, obviously, and done as well in regards of the training and how you deal with it for yourself. That's been involved in quit in in that industry for so long how do you take care of your own mental state i know you're you train people you do a lot of courses but you're helping others but how do you take care of your own mental state to be able to deliver the courses and help all these individuals it's hard you know i will say i think it's because i i sometimes say to people you don't want to be in my head because you can imagine I'm dealing with trauma and I'm dealing with abusive situations, you know, continuously. And but I think it's important. I'm a I'm a good talker, communicator, as you can tell, I'm shut up. And I think <laughs> True. <laughs> so I think that's the bit that we do have to talk to. You know, I've got an amazing family, an amazing husband. I am lucky in that way. You know what I mean? That but I think it's also about recognising it in yourself. It's recognize I can recognise when I'm starting to dip. Because it's that bit that I have to, I've had to manage it all these years. And when I do, when I recognise that, I know then that I need to obviously get help and support. And I've had counselling yeah, you know, yeah. myself just because I'm a counsellor doesn't mean that, you know, I haven't needed it. And I, but I think that's the bit of recognising it in yourself and, and speaking to people. But of course, I have to have clinical supervision, you know, myself because I'm, you know, a, a counsellor and a therapist. And that helps. Yeah. That, uh, you know, and but sometimes we all go where, like you were saying, I, I didn't access it because we don't, no, do we? No you know, let's try work through it. But it's important that I don't see it as a weakness. It's not a weakness to get help. I find it I think actually, strength. yeah, absolutely. I think strength, man. And I think that's really important for everybody to to recognise, isn't it? That it's yeah. a strength to be able to say to somebody, you know, I'm struggling. Can you help me, please? Because we're not naturally like that, no. are we? We do tend to think of, oh, I have to get on with it. People listening here, if they know me, will go, she doesn't practice what she preaches. <laughs> 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 but I do try. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So you're on about 
uh, opening up and then you find strength. It's like when I had the radio interview with Radio Stoke. Yeah. Um, I think we mentioned it on the last episode, didn't we? Yeah, last episode. Um, when I did that interview, after I'd opened up and told uh, everyone that I'd try to kill myself, like I said, I said to Monty, I, I didn't realise I'd said it until a few hours after. Really? No. And he fell free, like, you should have seen his face, he was wow. like, so happy, it's like something just took off. Weight lifted. Because yeah. not, like I said to Monty, not many people knew, probably about two or three people knew. But as I went on, expecting to talk about Man United, really. And out it came, so... I found I listened to that interview and I've got to say I found it inspirational. I thought yeah. it was amazing to to hear somebody, particularly a man, you know what I mean, to saying, I struggled. Yeah, yeah. But I've come through it. Yeah. And I think that's the the difference, isn't it? Because yeah. I think one of the things with poor mental health is when you're in that moment, you don't feel think anybody else feels like that, do you? No, you know, it's yours, no. and just it is you. yours, and it is just you. So I think it's so important to hear somebody like you saying, yeah, yeah I've been there, but I've come through it. So I just hope it didn't affect the uh, radio DJ. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, whoa! He, he sounded quite sad when I was talking to you. It's not asking you, are you okay talking about it? Yeah, he was, you, yeah, that's, yeah. That's what he, yeah. He was like, are you sure you're okay talking you're, about you this? You carry on? Because he, pa- he paused it at one stage. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, we'll crack on. Yeah. And he was just like silent for a bit. Probably thinking about him. I should have asked him if he was okay. You should have asked you him if he was okay. okay. Absolutely. No, but, sorry. No, Go I on. was just going to say, but... I guess we have a real responsibility when we, we talk like that, though, don't we? I know we're mm. talking about, you know, that it's important to talk, but we've also got that responsibility of those people around us when they're hearing that information, yeah. don't we? Not just yeah. saying in your case, just because you brought up that you'd, you know, disclosed that yeah. you had done that. I know, that. I had a lot of lot of my friends and family contacting me after, like, sounding worried. Yeah, you would do. And I was like, don't be worried... Because obviously, I've opened up about what what happened and what went on. I says it's not going to happen again because I can control it. I've got help. If I'm struggling now, I know where to go. Yeah. I know I'll deal with like my emotions or any thoughts that like, crop in the the brain. It's like I can deal with them. And it's like if you want to feel sad about it, yeah, go ahead and I feel sad. Because obviously, it's it's a sad subject. If someone's it's like if you're when you get older and your lad grows up and you didn't know anything like about his mental health really and he just comes out and says to you, "Oh, yeah, should I kill myself?" Yeah, mm. and that's because although it was yours and you <coughs> did it was a few years ago, and, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you like you've just said you've come through that other side. For some people who you know care about you, your family, maybe yeah. in the first time they've heard that, yeah. and oh, it's yeah. the first time for them. Yeah, yeah. So they've been hit by a train. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's where it's important that you don't just do it. You then have, there's always that responsibility, isn't it, of yeah. then like speaking to your family and talking yeah. them through. Like I've just been saying to you about children, yeah. we need to discuss it with yeah. them. That you know, and it's in, that's the bit that we don't we don't always get that right, do we? No, we don't do it. Yeah, yet it's so important. important. Let's say I was holding on for that for years and years until you met me. 
No, I met Monty. But <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we it's been great having you on. It really has. Thank you. Thank you for, for asking me. Well, nice. as soon as he asked you to come on, I was I was excited for it. I was excited from when Dan spoke to him and told me what he did. And I was like, yo, this is going to be interesting. And it, it, it's been very interesting as well to the, to hear the ins and outs, the reason why you, why you do what you do. It's important for the listeners as well to understand how important the communication is between adults and children and to an extent treat your children the same way you would love to be treated and just be patient with them absolutely and respect the fact that they're saying you know i don't i'm angry today or you know i don't want to do that today it's about talking through that because they will have exactly those same emotions and we're not really good at that are we we aren't because we'll go oh you know like i say come on but it's really important to to see children and it's about listening it's about, you know, being emotionally available to your children. So rather than just sitting next to them or even if you're watching TV, you're on your phone or whatever, being in the room with them means that you're talking through the television program. Yeah. You, you actually know what's going on with them. And when they try to tell you something, you listen. You can have the conversation with them. Absolutely. So, so important. The best thing about this uh, episode... Karina's sitting across from you with a Stoke top on. Stoke City, <laughs> right in front of you. Well, there you go, it's all love. <laughs> yeah, first she, time she, I've sat in a room with a Bailey, I think. She, but she, she'll, yeah, be, yeah. she'll be coming to Vale Park soon, she said, apparently. I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> Everybody who knows me knows that it's happening. Um, I've got but, a, but I don't like you. I don't normally say I like you know a Bailey, but even nah. though you play for Vale, you're still a Bailey. You know that. Vale. Now, <laughs> nah. nah, in all fairness, it's been an amazing story, inspiring. Thank oh, thank you. And I think a lot of people would enjoy this one. I hope people take something away from it. Yeah, especially so. like if they have, they've got kids themselves, or if they've been through something in their childhood and they haven't opened up about it yet. Just reflect, like what we've always spoke about. Yeah, reflect yeah. and accept to an extent what's happened that would allow you to then speak. Don't just hold it back. No. Uh, and there is a lot more support <clears throat> out there now. I mean, you know, GPs are, are more, you know, sort of understanding of the, the different, you know, sort of poor mental health that people have got and the difficulties, but also about, you know, where they can signpost them to. Because I always say, you know, to, to people who come to me, it's, you know, if they're struggling or you know, they're, not, they're not sure about something, see a GP and they will then be able to signpost them. But there is, there's people like, you know, the three of us sitting around, yeah, yeah. you know, this room, isn't there? Yeah. You know, that are, are willing and, and ready to, to support people and help them. We sound, all of us are here, well, Dan, me, Men Unite, mm-hmm. yourself, anyone ever needs to speak to us, to yourself, mm. I'm sure they can maybe drop you a message. Is oh, that def- okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and you've got all my details. And I think sometimes it's just because I always say to you know the people that come to me for support, I always say to them sometimes it may be just a, a five ten minute phone call with me, yeah. or email or text whatever they need to how they want to communicate that can you know stop them feeling really you know bad and sad and and that for a week. 
or you know a month just sometimes that 10 minutes where you can you know speak to somebody and you know like you say you just feel like you've got a weight lifted yeah, off your shoulder oh, so time. yeah i'm, I'm more than happy for that so thank you very much thank you so much thank you